Let us pray. Lord, in these moments of stillness and reflection, help us to draw nearer to you that we may recognise those times in our lives when you come to us. Amen. I was going to begin by saying today is not any old Sunday, it's Palm Sunday. But then it's not true to talk about any old Sunday because every Sunday is a special Sunday. It is a celebration of the living God's presence amongst us whom we praise. But we do mark certain Sundays out as special for particular reasons in our, what we call our liturgical cycle, particularly that takes us through the life of Jesus. And today, of course, we've arrived at Palm Sunday when we remember what we often refer to as the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Jesus had been into Jerusalem many times during his life. Um, in Luke's Gospel, um, he begins quite early on in his Gospel by telling us about that first time when Jesus was taken into the temple to be blessed and about how the parents of Jesus used to go to Jerusalem every year in order to celebrate the Passover feast. And it seems as we read the Gospels that there were a number of other occasions when as an adult Jesus visited Jerusalem too. But there is something special about this visit, of course, because it was the last visit in his earthly life. And I want to draw out three strands this morning from this story as we've read it in Luke's Gospel. I want us to think about the preparation that went into this visit, the theme of praise, and also the fact that pain is touched on in this story. So the first strand in the story that I want to pick up is this one about preparation. Palm Sunday didn't just happen, it was planned. Jesus didn't just wake up one morning and say, oh, the wind is in the south, the sun is going to shine, uh, it's going to be dry for a few days, let's take a trip to Jerusalem. It was a planned trip, it was a planned trip to coincide with the Passover festival and it was a preparation that Jesus had actually been making for a long time because he knew as he went through his ministry that opposition was beginning to mount. You know as we read through the Gospels that Jesus encountered more and more opposition from the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious authorities. A well-known preacher and teacher of a former generation, Scottish preacher James Stewart, used to describe this process as the gathering storm. I always like that phrase because it's a pictorial thing. You can uh, see the image in your mind's eye of the sky darkening and the, the clouds getting darker and darker until the storm breaks. And of course it's in this holy week that the storm actually broke. On one level, of course, Jesus had been preparing for this moment all through his ministry, right through from the days of his time in the wilderness that we thought about right at the beginning of Lent. Over a period of time, he'd been trying to prepare his disciples for it as well, although they seemed to be rather slow in picking up this idea that Jesus was going to have to suffer. They couldn't get their minds around the possibility of him being put to death. But this visit to Jerusalem was planned. It was part of a strategy. We may wonder too whether some of the smaller details in the story are also part of the preparation because when we come to the story of Jesus entering Jerusalem, um, he tells uh, two of his disciples to go on ahead 
and find a colt, not just any old colt, but one that had not yet been ridden. It would be tied up, and if they were challenged as to why they should be taking it away, all they needed to say was, the Lord needs it, and that would be sufficient. And it was. That's exactly how it happened. Later on in the week, we shall read about how he asked Peter and John to go and prepare the Passover And when they asked where, he told them to look for a man carrying a water jug and to ask him where the teacher can eat the Passover with his disciples. And he will show you a large furnished room upstairs. Well, there are some people who think that the the references to those minute kind of details are an indication of the sovereignty of Jesus and his supernatural powers. There are other people who think that it is actually part of the detailed preparation of Jesus. But either way, whichever interpretation you may want to take, uh, one thing is quite clear, is that things had not spun out of control where Jesus was concerned. Jesus had prepared for this moment. His entry into Jerusalem, his riding on a donkey, the gathering of a crowd, this was all part of his mission strategy, as we might call it. Jesus didn't conduct his ministry in a kind of haphazard way. It wasn't a hit-and-run operation. And his method says something, I believe, to us about how we should exercise our mission as Christian people as well. A couple of weeks ago, those of us who were attending the Lent course on Wednesday evenings heard Jennifer Potter talking to us about John Wesley and his ministry and his travels. One of the things Jennifer said on that evening uh, was the way in which John planned his travels around Great Britain very carefully. He had a strategy, he had a plan. Uh, And he planned his schedule carefully and purposefully so that people were expecting him and so that there were fresh horses for the next part of the journey. We don't have to worry about horses, but it is important that we prepare our strategy for mission when we are a Christian community. I wonder whether we feel any sense of strategy about our life as a Christian community. Because in the life of any church, there's the danger of things just happening and rolling on as they always have happened, because nobody questions whether it's the right thing for them still to happen or not. Every Christian community needs to have a strategy for developing its congregational life so that we're a strong and a praying and a caring community. Every Christian community needs to have a strategy for worship, planning of worship and teaching so that it feeds us all, so that we grow in faith. Every Christian community needs a strategy for outreach and mission how to share the good news of the gospel with people in our community and well beyond. And every Christian community needs a strategy for challenging the things in society that are deeply wrong. What do we say? What are the things that are most important we ought to be challenging? And so on. Strategy, planning, preparation, I believe, are things that are so important. I think they're things that we're probably, in some senses, quite good at in the life of this church but there's never any room for complacency. We need to remember that it is an important thing to do. Palm Sunday didn't just happen, it was planned. Jesus had been preparing for it and it was a crucial moment in his mission. 
But I guess the most obvious part of uh, Palm Sunday, the strand, the second strand that I want to pull out, the most obvious one to most of us, if we were just stopped and asked what Palm Sunday means to you, we would probably most of us turn around and say, a time of praise and rejoicing. We all know that some kind of celebrations are stage managed, aren't they? The occasions when political figures make a visit to a particular place as part of an election campaign. And the whole thing is carefully stage managed so that they don't stand in front of the wrong thing that negates their message. Um, they don't meet any real live opponents who might embarrass them. You can watch the primaries going on in, the America, in, the, in America at the moment and uh, see this sort of thing happening there. It's the kind of thing that happens in our own election campaigns as well. Other celebrations are planned but they develop spontaneously and people and supporters express genuine joy and delight to the point where it can't be stopped. It happens in countries sometimes when a dictator is replaced by an elected leader. Maybe on the occasion of a religious leader like the Pope, when things take off in an unexpected way. The triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem may have been planned by Jesus, but the praise became really genuine and heartfelt. People wanted to praise God for all the wonderful things that they'd seen in their communities, that they'd experienced in their lives, the way in which Jesus had touched them and brought healing and hope. But there was also a very special sense that something particularly important and something of a particular significance was going on here. It was a special moment that people had been waiting for, not just for a few weeks, but actually for centuries. And some of the words shouted by the crowds, the words that used to be used by priests to bless the pilgrims who were going up to Jerusalem um, for a festival, uh, are used on this occasion. But you notice Luke in his Gospel changes one of those words. Uh, the words used to read in the psalm, <clears throat> blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And as Luke re records his Gospel and what happened on that Palm Sunday, he talks about blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. It's a clear indication that the people who offered their praise that Sunday believed that they were taking part in some kind of coronation process. They were acknowledging Jesus as their King, their Messiah. People had waited for ages for this moment, now it was here. This was the time for praise. And the atmosphere was more akin to a cup final at Wembley than a church on a Sunday morning, if you see the difference. And so we, f we find ways, don't we, when we come to Palm Sunday, we find ways of celebrating Palm Sunday. And we want praise to be at the heart of what we're doing. We take palm branches or palm crosses and we shall wave them in our service this morning. We choose hymns that express our praise to God. Some churches borrow a donkey and go out into the community and reenact something of the Palm Sunday story. This is our opportunity to celebrate that God is amongst us, that what he's done for us. It's our opportunity to declare that Jesus is the Messiah, the one whom through God uh, has spoken uniquely to our world. So there is that strand of preparation that took so much time in the life of Jesus moving towards Palm Sunday. There is this aspect of praise which is at the very heart of Palm Sunday. But there is another strand, and that is that before the day is ended, 
we have a glimpse of pain. The disciples seem to have enjoyed this day of unabated and unspoilt praise, blissfully unaware, so it seems, as to what was going to follow. It's different for us. We know what followed. And in a sense, it tinges our praise today and our joy with a little bit of realism and sadness. One of our British Prime Ministers some years ago said, a, a week is a long time in politics. Uh, I think what he meant by that was that uh, something along the lines that you can be popular on Monday and you can be yesterday's man by Friday. And uh, we well know that um, when a cabinet minister gets into difficulties and we're told that the Prime Minister has full confidence in him or her, that is the, probably a very good uh, sign that tomorrow they will be offering their resignation. The last week in the earthly life of Jesus was a long week. And it's strange, well it's not strange really when you think about the significance of it all, that each of the gospel writers takes a huge proportion, 20-25% of their gospels, to focus on this one week. And the week began well. It began well with pilgrims lining the route into Jerusalem, singing the praises of Jesus, and generally in a mood of adoration. But there are hints before the day ends of the pain that was going to be there. We're told that as Jesus came near to Jerusalem, he wept over the city. I wish you knew today the things that make for peace. And his pain came from seeing a city in strife and a nation in conflict, part of an empire that ruled, ruled with brutality, and yet despite all their problems and their needs, seemed to be, for a large part, unaware that God was amongst them and unaware of what he was doing. And for Jesus, the pain intensified as the week went on. As Jesus went into the temple, he found it necessary to overturn the money changers' tables, to fight against what was wrong. As he entered into debate with the scribes and Pharisees who were clearly out to trick him, the pain went on and the pain reached a climax as finally he was betrayed for the price of a slave, tried in a sham trial in the middle of the night and finally hung on a cross between two criminals. The pain that Jesus experienced during this week that we're starting was multiple and complex. And as we celebrate the triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, we can't help but catch a little of the pain that Jesus felt because we know the story of the conflict that was going to follow, the agony and the humiliation. And those words, when Jesus entered the city, he wept over it, are of course inscribed on a board down in our chapel on the first floor. They are a reminder to us of the sadness that Jesus felt as he entered the city of Jerusalem in this last week of his life, when people should have welcomed God's messenger, but instead were planning to kill him. But those words are a challenge to us. They are a challenge to us to share something of the sadness and the pain that lie at the heart of God. Because our city in the 21st century has massive needs, but much of the time it trundles along as if God didn't exist. During communion this morning, as you will see <clears throat> from your sheet on the insert, 
the choir will begin by singing a song which begins with the words, you needed a stable. And that's the theme of the whole song all the way through, you needed. It's a song that was written by Geoffrey Anger, one of our Methodist ministers. And at one point in his ministry, uh, Geoffrey Anger, along with two other Methodist ministers, was appointed to work as a team in the west part of London in Notting Hill, following the awful race riots of 1958 that were a blot on our social landscape in this country. Three ministers at the instigation of the West London Mission were appointed to work as a team in that place. A deliberate way of expressing sadness and concern at the violence that had spilt over into our city streets. And the brief of this ministerial leadership team was to help the whole church community share something of the pain of that situation and to become in, involved in many practical ways, as very in prayerful ways as well, with the issues of race relations and housing issues and all sorts of other uh, practical problems, corrupt landlords and the like. There are times when we are called to share the pain of God about the situation in which we find ourselves. Following Christ isn't a way of easiness with all the problems removed. Sometimes it's a call to enter into the pain as we see human need through the eyes of God and with the heart of God. And as we see how far people are from realising that their lives could be changed and lightened and lifted if only they knew that God was in their midst. And part of our ministry is to come alongside in that pain and to say God is here amongst you. And so we need to make something of that journey this week. This journey of entering into the pain of God's heart over a world that carries on for so much of the time as if it, he didn't exist. Of course, there is one big difference between the disciples and first disciples that Jesus uh, chose who were with him on that Palm Sunday and ourselves. And our praise should be even greater than the praise that was offered by those disciples on that Palm Sunday because we aren't blissfully unaware of what was to follow. We do know what happened. We have Good Friday in our minds. We know something of the sharp pain that lay deep in the heart of God and how it was shown so clearly during the rest of the week and as Jesus went to the cross on Good Friday for our sakes and for the sake of the whole world. So let's just spend a moment of quiet reflection. A moment of reflecting on what a momentous moment this was in the life and ministry of Jesus and what was to follow in the days ahead. and to pray that we may use this week to come closer to the cross and to the heart of God.
And so let's sing, all for Jesus, all for Jesus, this our song shall ever be.